Welcome to episode 582 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio team, welcome along to episode 528 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. I was in, have to say, John Newsom is looking snazzy today, team. Got big wigs to go and meet after today's meeting. We had a catastrophe of car unavailability today, so we're doing it over Skype. It really I really? couldn't get access to the car. Bevan couldn't get access to his car. And then you had to be done by 10, so that was... Oh, yeah, just, I blame Joe. Yeah, it's always your fault. It's always it's, it's blinders. It's always the wife's fault. Yeah. Anyway, team, I am Talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. Uh, and let's name a few Jombo. Joseph Caribork, the Night Shadow. We've got David Crazy Fire Haywood. And Cam Magic Man Hansen. Good times, rock and roll guys. In this week's show, we've got some news. I really like your discussion this week. I think it's a really good one. Well, I had two up there, so I wasn't sure what you were going oh, to choose. I, I like the one, the first one you've got written up there. I think it's, I, both yeah. of them are good, but I, I've done the show notes, so the first one's the one I like. Uh, Coach's Corner, what's, what's that all, mate? We're going to finally just, I'm going to highlight what I'm going to try to do to get speedy over 5K. And we've got my main 5K races will be sort of the January, February period. So lots of people have been asking what I'm doing, focusing on the running, and I'll uh, outline how I'm going to try to get faster. Good times, and then we've got a winger of the week and some questions and answers at the end. We're going to start today's news for a bit of sad news. John. Les McDonald has passed away. Absolutely, like this guy. He, if if you were to say to me, you can only name one person that's probably had the biggest impact on our sport, he would be it because he was the head of the ITU during its sort of basically its formative years all the way through to getting us into the, the sport into the Olympics and I know that a lot of listeners of the show may not necessarily be in in terms of ITU stuff, may not watch it, they're very much in the Ironman world but the result of having the sport in the Olympics has been that the sport overall has just grown enormously and that's why one of the reasons why Ironman is is what it is today and uh, just an incredibly influential person who really just dedicated his life to making the sport what it is today during those early years so, so sad loss he was 84 um, so he had pretty good innings you used to talk a lot about him being you know, so so it's interesting in the PR release that's been released is Lauren Barnett who we actually interviewed on Legends didn't we just uh, did. saying Les's greatest legacy is the number of opportunities he created for women athletes, officials, and administrators. Les's grandmother was a suffragette in the UK in the early decades of the last century, and her lessons on equality for women in terms of reward and opportunity guided Les's work throughout throughout his career. Um, for hundreds of women, including myself, benefited from the belief that equal ability of women. So it's really interesting, but. You often would talk about how he was very much kind of ruled almost with an iron fist, you'd say. Well, I think he, he you know, he's making an omelette and he broke a few eggs along the way in, <laughs> nice. in terms of getting to that omelette. And I think sometimes you've got to do that, especially in those early years. I remember doing an ITU race in Auckland, um, a World Cup race, and some of the rules that came in were just ludicrous in terms of what we could and couldn't wear in terms of the size of your sponsor's logo. And we had things, as other sports did, there was a Rebel League that got set up at one stage. But he kind of just boxed on and, yeah, sure, he did, maybe did upset a few people and didn't do it the perfect way. 
But I think where we are today uh, is in a pretty good place. And as you mentioned, equality is something that we kind of maybe just take for granted in our sport, whereas most other sports, they just don't don't have it, you know, And, and, at, and let's all. be honest, in the 80s, triathlon was one of the first sports to really mm. make that happen, wasn't it? Absolutely. So, yeah, hats off to him. You know, he, he uh, never met the guy. Haven't really heard him talk too much, but heard lots of stories about him. He was, uh, as you said, I, wouldn't say, I don't know if he ruled with an iron fist, but he, he certainly wanted to do things his way. And, uh, yeah, so it's a sad loss, but he, uh, 84 years old, he had a good innings. And, yeah, it was a shame that we couldn't ever get him on the Legends of show, Legends show, I think, towards the end of his life, um, medically and so on. He wasn't uh, necessarily... You know, suitable to come on the show, which is which well, it was really good that we had Lauren Barnett on, sort of um, going over the influence that he had on our sport. And it's it is one of those things where sometimes people don't get when the leader's got the vision. How you know the decisions? It might affect you in a way you don't want to hear, but actually, it is going towards the right cause. You mm-hmm. know, like obviously, he understood that for a triathlon to get to the Olympics, it was the the mothership, really, wasn't it? And mm. if you could get to the Olympics, that was going to be massive for our sport. And you're going to break some eggs along the way. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And as long as your heart's in the right place and you are going for the right cause, well, then that's what you could do as a leader, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. So, well, 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 he definitely had a massive impact on our sport. So thank you for everything you gave to the sport, Liz. Jombo, we had the 70.3 World Championships over the weekend, and let's talk about it. Icy Hot 70.3 World Champs. Icy but odd hot. they came out with a title sponsor a couple of days before the race, which was a bit odd. What's and Icy I wonder hot? what our- well, I wonder what Miss, uh, Mr. Iceman would have to say about this. I haven't looked into the products in huge detail, but of when I was watching the coverage, by the sound of it, their creams, etc., cool your affected area and then heat them up at the same time. So it's kind of like icing and then deep heat. Anyway, yeah. I don't know enough about them to comment too much, but uh, yeah, it was it was good that they had a title sponsor, but just a shame, I guess, for, for everybody concerned they didn't get them on a bit earlier. They must have paid so, big money, but because they got Sheck as their their uh, their figurehead yeah. so and Shaq would not be cheap I tell you so there must be some money in Icy Hot that's all I'm saying mm. so look it was um, some, some good racing and look we've got to congratulate WTC on and the local organisers on what looked like a fantastic yeah. Fantastic course. One of my athletes that I was coaching said that pre-race age groupers were freaking out about the uh, how hard the course was. And I mean, obviously we went out there racing, and it did look very, very challenging, but not stupidly challenging in terms of this is just just complete 100% hills the whole way through, and it's near impossible to complete. Times were still pretty good, but just a good, challenging day at the office. Um, and that's what you so, want from a world championship, isn't it? You want it to be a bit scary, yeah. you know, like it's it's the world champs, you know, yeah. you've got to step up. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so a few comments before we sort of kick into the coverage. Um, one thing that I would say is the pro when the pros started, I think they started at 7.30, it was almost dark when they started and I know the practicalities around maybe having them start last doesn't necessarily work because then they're going to be going past age groupers and all that sort of carry on but it would be nice if that the pros could start a bit later in the day. Age groupers are done and everybody can spectate, cheer them on, and they're at a time of the day when maybe you will get more spectators out. I know from a race organisation point of view, it's just sometimes not practical. Um, so onto the swim, I, I didn't watch all the women's race. So I kind of fast-forwarded bits and pieces of it. I did watch or have the whole men's race on. And the first thing I'll say, so they had it, for those that didn't watch it, they had a pontoon start uh, for the pros. I don't know what they did with the age groupers. But 
in ITU, pontoon starts. It's very well officiated, very, very clear what's happening. You're standing back on the, the back of the pontoon. You walk walk forward, and it's pretty much go straight away. You might okay. be held for, for you know half a second or something. But I watched the women start, and they called them together. They all had their toes over the edge ready to go. And I was like, someone's going to fall in, someone's going to fall in, start them. And they held them there for quite a while. Uh, and then they did start them, and nobody did fall in the water. So it worked out okay in the end. But I think they'd need to be very, very careful about that in future and, and really look at what the ITU do. How, how many starters were there? Because in the ITU, the, the fields aren't as big, are they? Or was it, was oh, no, it pretty similar? Pretty, uh, probably less. Uh, okay. So ITUs are anywhere between sort of 50 to up to 70. Okay. And I'm picking they probably had about 40, 50-ish, maybe a few more guys and a few less girls. Well, based on the results, we had 34 finish and 36. Mm. So um, the other th- comment on the swim was the times were pretty pretty slow. So there was that challenging element to the swim as well when you had some upstream swimming. So times were challenging. Uh, the course was challenging in the swim. It was challenging on the bike and it was challenging on the run, which is fantastic. Uh, the bike, just if you didn't listen last week, you know, good, solid test on the bike. It was uh, between sort of 900 and 1,000 metres of climbing. So give people a comparison, Kona 70.3, which is the middle part of the Kona course where you have the climb up to Harvey. That's only about 740 metres. And those that have done Challenge Wanaka, you know, a lap of Challenge Wanaka is only 656. So it was a pretty heavy course in terms of the amount of climbing that they did. The, the, the big climb that came fairly early in the race, you had about 2.5 kilometres at 8.5 percent which is is decent you know especially over a sustained two and a half k um duration but then then it carried on and you had another two and a half k's at four and a half percent so very very good way of uh breaking up the the groups the feedback from a lot of the age group athletes if you weren't in the first wave there did end up being a lot of congestion later Mm -hmm. in the course Geez, I don't know how the hell you solve that one. I mean, obviously you can reduce the numbers quite a bit. They did have you know a huge number of athletes racing, but when you do wave starts, that, that's a problem you've got. When you do, what was the gap? Was it five minutes between the waves? It, it kind of varied, and so they they did think that through. There was it was sort of between sort of five and ten minutes, okay, depending, depending on, on how they. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. If you, if you, again, if you'd done a mass start there, it wasn't practical to do a mass start there, but then you're going to have congestion. So if you're going to have big fields, it's a bloody hard one to figure out. Uh, and then it on really the run, is, it's, it's almost the bane of the sport right now, isn't it? Because we've gone away from these mass starts, which mm. we needed to because there were issues around that as well. But there's, there's, it doesn't seem to be a perfect solution that we've figured out yet, does it? No, I th- I think it would be a bit better if they made the qualification a bit harder and just reduced the field size. But then you kind of want to have that big festival feel. So, And, and, um, and as much as we give them a hard time for sometimes being a bit too focused on money, it is a business. And, mm. you know, they still need to make money from these events. So, you know, you can't give them too much of a hard time about that, can you? No. And then the run, uh, jeepers. I mean, you watched the run as, yeah. as well as I did, Bevan. There was uh, you know, th- nearly 1,000 feet of elevation there, so close on 300 metres. It looked that's pretty full really on, isn't it? That's that's solid. But that being said, there's still some very very fast times. And the key, if you've got courses like that, it's not so much about running fast uphill; it's about running fast downhill. And look, it was a really accurate course. You know, Gomez will talk about his run split, but he did a 110. And of the, the I had a couple of athletes racing. 
in there and it looked legit in terms of the the distance of the the run it was 21 i had one athlete clock it at 21.1 and the other one i think it was at 21.0 so depending on where you start your watch it was uh, it was a legit distance run course and just in terms of watching the coverage uh if you watch the men's bevan i don't know if you noticed as well so when gomez was coming to the front he caught up to the the, the leader canute and he, he ran with him for just a short period of time just and he was on that himself, didn't he gathered himself and then he pressed the lap button on his watch when it was time to attack he pressed it and then just boom he was out of there but to have the composure to do that I thought was really cool and also when he caught Keenlay you could see Keenlay oh. just d- destroying himself to try to stay with him for about a minute or so yeah, it wasn't long right so it was great racing so in terms of the uh so I'd watch the female race so tell me about that because that's a domination at a world championship oh my god <laughs> A crushing. So Daniela Reef swam 26 minutes. She rode 220 and ran a 122 for a 4.11.59. Just under seven minutes in front of Emma Pallant, who came back with a storming run of 119, several minutes quicker than anybody out there. And Laura Phillip was in third place in 4.19. But the key of the day was looking at the bike times. Daniela Reef 2.20, as opposed to the other girls. Next fastest looks 2.25, but most were around the 2.27, 2.28, Oh, jeez, man. She is just a beast. And unbelievable, isn't it? Mm. And a real champs to just dominate like that. Just, wow. That's a crushing, crushing victory. So if she's anywhere remotely close to that in Kona, it's just going to be a bore fest because she's just going to kill everybody out there. So, and, and, and you know, real, pretty much untested, you would say. You know, she said she obviously went really, really hard and was really proud of her performance. But how much quicker could she have gone on the run if she if she was under a bit of pressure? Yeah. So, <clears throat> Very impressive. The sad story that I mean, it was kind of we all thought that it was going to be Daniela Reef versus Holly Lawrence and Holly Lawrence uh, DNF. I'm not 100% sure why. I, I saw a couple of things on online, but she pulled out on the the bike leg. So that was a real shame because she's probably a, traditionally a bad swimmer. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. She's not front front pack, okay. but her, her weapon is the bike and, uh, and, and to a lesser extent the runs. So okay. she, um, that's a real shame because she is the one person who potentially could have challenged her, uh, Daniela Reef because Holly Lawrence has really been dominating her 70.3 races when she hasn't been injured. So that was a real shame. So it was a really good, uh, interesting race for second place, but uh, for the win, it was all over Rover. Mm. Who got third? Uh, Laura Phillip. Okay. Laura Phillip from Germany was third, and uh, you know, uh, basically the, the the run positions were determined by how they um, the, the fin- finishing positions were determined by, by basically by run speeds. So a lot of the girls sort of came together off the bike. Okay, the men's race was the next day, and, and they did do the different days, which I think is a good way of doing the event. Um, and like, so I woke, I got home from work, and they actually finished the race. So I just went on YouTube and kind of flipped through the bike and then watched the run. But it was pretty obvious getting off the bike who was going to win it. It was, and that's another thumbs up I've got to give to WTC because um, the race was Sunday in the States, which was Monday morning for us. So for me, I got up and just got the iPad out and – you know they had it. They had it so you could watch it. Uh, delayed YouTube, coverage. Yeah, yeah. So was, you know, there was in, in the 
probably a, a negative is that there was no spoilers on the Ironman site. Like any other sport, you'd, you'd, the first thing you'd see if you went on there, who, who won the race. But I was actually able to navigate and watch the coverage again without knowing who won. Mm. And so that was a real plus for, for people that are in different time zones around the world. So factor that in for you guys for your Kona coverage next year uh, or this year, if you're over in Europe where the time zone's pretty shitty, you know, get up the next morning and if you keep your blinkers in the center of the screen and don't get diverted by... Well, get your partner to do it for that. you. Get your yeah, partner then, to get the page and then, you know, go from there. Exactly. So you're exactly right. It was uh, fairly obvious who was going to win coming off the bike. But Ben Canute, you know, hats off to him. Oh he, he was mentioned uh, by myself and others. I'm not sort of claiming that I've picked him out of nowhere, but he is a, a very strong swim biker. And the difference is he's, he's a third-tier ITU runner. So he, he races on the, the World Championship Series race. He's a third-tier runner at best. He's a very good swimmer, very good biker, third-tier ITU runner. But when he goes, when you go across to non-drafting races, he kind of moves himself from being a third-tier runner to perhaps a second-tier runner, mm. just because people aren't necessarily able to hide in the hide in the in the bunches on the bike, and and it's just a bit more of an equaliser for him. So he was cranking it on the bike, and on that climb, he would look like he was working extremely so hard. So did he, did he pretty much get on the bike and just take off? Yeah, so he led the swim and he had Gomez on his feet coming out of the swim and then they had a gap back to uh, a fairly large next group and he just took off on the bike and just crushed it up the hill. Gomez was in no man's land and then the pack kind of uh, caught up and uh, I've got to say that Sebastian Keenlay, he was a weapon on the bike. He was four minutes down out of the swim, but he rode through the entire field and then pulled that second pack up to, to Gomez. And so a fairly decent-sized group of around about 10 came off the bike together. Uh, they were about four minutes down on Canute, and uh, yeah, you kind of thought Gomez is going to relatively easy catch that. But Gomez said he really had to work very, very hard. So Canute still ran well. He ran a 116, which was mm. uh, essentially the same as, you know, the guys that were fifth through tenth. So he, he ran well, just not quite as well as the, the pure runners. So Well, and, and Sebastian actually had the fastest bike slit. So Canute did a 208 and Keenlay did a 207. So Keenlay, he had to because he was four minutes out of the water down. But, you know, like he, 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 he just didn't hit the legs, did he? He didn't, but he, he attacked at the end of the bike, and he was in, uh, was he second? I think he was second off the bike, and so you kind of thought if he runs the same as what he did last year in Sunny Coast, you know, he's got a he's got a chance here at um, potentially first or second, depending on how Gomez was running. But Gomez just looked beautiful on the run and yeah. just crushing it up the hills, crushing it down the hills. Ran a one ten thirty on an accurate course, which is accurate hilly course after a very solid ride. So very, very impressive. So but then the, the, not, question, the question really became, would Canute hold on to second? Because he's not the prettiest runner to watch, is he? And you kind of, he looked a little bit fatigued and he looked a little bit, although he did find his second win. And then Tim Dom started to kind of fire up a little bit and you kind of, it did seem a little bit late, but you did think, well, you don't know. Mm, no, it was close, and uh, credit to him for hanging on there. So second place was Ben Canute. He ended up uh, you know, a minute and a half or so behind Gomez, and then uh, Tim Don was around about another minute back. Sam Appleton fourth, Sebastian Keenlay fifth. So of that top five, kind of what you expected in terms of the names that you saw there, perhaps with the exception of Ben Canute, who was a bit of a bit of a wild card. So um yeah, some some good solid racing and uh yeah, good championship race. Appleton, uh 
Were you, yeah, no, he's he's solid. He's he's won loads of seventy point three races, so not not really that surprised to to see him there at all. Okay, good time. So that's the seventy point three championship for twenty seventeen. A few comments on the coverage. Um, overall, really positive. I think the footage was as good as you're going to get with with two cam- with two cameras. So what that meant was for the females who ne- normally get quite shafted because uh, the focus of the race is up the front or with the men's race, as we see in Kona, you know, all day long you had two cameras on the women's race. So one on reef and, and the second one on the mm. rest of the field. And the camera work in general I thought was better than what we see at other races. They did a lot more shots where it actually scanned through the pack and you could kind of well they sat behind you could kind of see the gaps and so on so that was uh a lot better the guys that do the commentary they had added in Didi Griesbauer in there which was a good addition to the commentary team um but but they need a producer I don't know whether they have a producer in there that is constantly feeding them more data and stats so they're not actually it seems like they're on the Ironman live tracker themselves rather than actually having someone giving them the content Mm. so i think that area could be enhanced a bit and adding a few animations into the coverage as well um, which i know may be uh, really difficult when you're doing live coverage but you know every 5k or something like that having a a leaderboard pop up on the screen um, and and seeing where everybody's at and i do have to bag them out on one thing because both lovato and lieto started going on about tim don's iron man world record and that just i thought they were doing a really good job and just towards the end they start talking about that and I said oh drop it and one thing that did really make me laugh is I think they were they were reading out someone's results going oh they got second here at uh at the 70.3 they won this Ironman here blah 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 and then they went they got uh, second at a challenge and they kind of just stopped and everything went quiet and they oh, said really? the word challenge and they, they went, oh, and then carried on, which I thought was quite entertaining. Tim Reed, last year's defending champ, uh, didn't really fire any shots. He looked like he was really struggling on the bike and never was really in contention. And dick of the day has to go to Andreas Dreitz, who came dick out of the Dick of the, the day, swim. haven't had that one in a while. Dick of the day, double dick of the day, because he came out DP. of the swim. He couldn't, he had his, uh, he had his skin suit and it had it unzipped because he must have had a swim skin on over the top, and uh, and he couldn't get it done up in T1. He, he, he was standing there for ages trying to do it up, and then coming off the bike, he cocked up the transition as well. He dropped something and went back, and that cost him, in, in, in hindsight, and the results, he ended up uh, only 12 seconds behind Tyler Butterfield, and he would have wasted well more than 12 seconds. So cost him. How much did it cost him? Actually, I don't have the prize money in front of me here, but it would have cost him a couple of thousand euros, I reckon. Yep, there you go. Dick of the day. What, what place was he? He finished, well, credit to him, he finished in eighth place, which is fantastic, but probably could have finished seventh if he hadn't, uh, if he'd smoothed up those transitions. So he would have got an extra $500. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so it cost him 500 bucks to piss around in transition. Yeah, dick of the day. Oh, we should bring that out as a local segment. The dick of the day. Send through nominations on our Facebook page <laughs> okay. and we'll try to keep on top of it. Dick of the day. Okay, Jombo, uh, we also had some other races happen over the weekend. Oh, just on the age group congestion, we, you put a post up on Facebook asking around that. Uh, we, we kind of yeah. touched on it, but... Yeah, so good. Thanks for everybody. If you want to find out feedback on the race from the athletes that were there, a lot of them, the, the consistent comments were... Like the two-day format, really, really good. Uh, but the, probably the one negative was the congestion. The cover, everybody's saying the coverage is really good. They said the spectator, the volunteers, and everything on the run were fantastic congestion on the bike and also traffic management on the bike was a little bit lacking saying that there was some cars on the course and some people got stuck behind cars and it ended mm. up just being a bit dangerous. Uh, but mostly thumbs up. 
just probably the only thumbs down was the congestion and just a few cars on the course. So, yeah. Okay, good times. Okay, we also had Challenge Almere happen over the weekend in Amsterdam and a pretty good day happening out there and two good winners. A pretty awesome race. It was. It was the European uh, ETU European Championships and Joe Skipper snuck under the eight-hour barrier, 7.59.39. Excellent. Wow. Beating old, beating old uh, Victor Zemensev. How old he? he? was, what, 43, 44 or something yeah, like that? Yeah, Still going 8.03. Wow, that's impressive, isn't it? And Yaroslav Kovacic was in third in 8.05, so relatively close racing. So uh, Joe Skipper took home 6,000 euros for that. And on the girls' side of things, Yvonne Van Vlerken just keeps rolling out the sub-nine-hour performances. This is the 16th time she's done a sub-nine. That's so impressive. Very impressive. How old's Yvonne? Bevan, you look okay, at that one. I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, and Sarissa de Devers, who she actually came out to Christchurch a few years ago. She was a former short course racer. She came home in second in 9.09. And Hannah Massimova from Belarus was home in third in 9.20. So Have there a was guess. All- What do you think, Harold? Do you think she is? Oh, I'm not going to get myself in trouble here. I'm going to say 34. Five. Oh, you're being a sock cocking, you know. But she <laughs> she is only thirty eight. So she is in her thirties. But but you took the safe option there. <laughs> and you know it. Yeah. Um, a couple of races we didn't mention last week, and apologies for everybody who was racing. I think it was just we were getting a bit carried away and and sometimes we miss these Ironman races at this time of the year when we've got our blinkers on for, for Kona and seventy point three champs. So Ironman Wales was at the weekend. Which is great, and I, awesome. and I heard it was really hard. It's uh, a, it's a hard course, but B, I think there was pretty much Oil. all the other races around the world were pretty shitty weather at the weekend. It looked really tough conditions out there. Cameron Worth, almost from Australia, who has been crushing it on the bike all season long, finally managed to hold on on the run. He swam forty eight twenty two. He biked four fifty seven and ran three eleven for a nine oh seven. And you know when a guy who is a weapon on the bike. It can only ride 4.57 and still put 12 minutes into Philip Graves, who we also know as a weapon on the bike. Uh, you know he is pretty fast. So he, he won by two and a half minutes over Philip Graves and Christian Kramer in third place. And we had a dojo domination, Bevan, on the girls' side. Just, just going back to the, the men's race, Philip Graves on his Facebook page, and who sent this through? I think Ian Lee, somebody, no, Lee, somebody sent it through. Um, but I can't remember. Oh, Lee Cartmel sent through. So Philip Gray's just on his Facebook page just put second Ironman Wales for the second year in a row. Brutal day. The rain and wind gave it much harder than last year. Content with how the day went, gave it everything and was totally empty at the finish. Average swim, okay, right, despite a pretty heavy crash at 90. But what he's put here is apparently someone had purposely put loads of oil down on the corners on most of the technical bits in the race. What mm. an idiot! It's not the first time, is it? We've seen this sort of, and we see the same in Tour de France with people putting tacks on the road and stuff. Just there's morons out there. Oh my god! Obviously, our audience is going to do that. But if you ever think about doing that in any area of your life, where you're sabotaging people, stop it. (laughs) There you go. Unbelievable! Like, what are you thinking? Some some serious losers out there. Oh my god. On the more positive side, a crushing victory for Lucy Gossage, 24 minutes. So she might be back at work, but she's still winning races, 10 hours, 11 minutes. She swam one hour and one second, biked 5.46 and ran 3.18 to beat uh, Paris 
Edwards and Kate Comber. Okay, we also had Ironman Wisconsin happen. We did. Now, this is one thing that's, that is tricky with uh, the, the Ironman have changed the format of their tracking system and their athlete tracker. And by all accounts, it is a lot better for the race day performance in terms of tracking athletes. Mm. One thing it doesn't do, doesn't give you that summary of results at the end so you can see the swim, bike and run time. So I've had to go off to Stats World or sportsstats.ca to find the Ironman Wisconsin results. Good to see Luke McKenzie back yeah. on top, swam 49, bike 431. Very impressive 249 run for an 817, winning by 11 minutes over TJ Tollickson and Patrick McGowan there in third came home with a, th- a 243. So, uh, look at Starkowitz's almost... bike split, you know, because McKenzie's the next on the bike, and then you have Starkowitz putting what 18 minutes into McKenzie on the bike. Uh, no, he only put eight minutes. Oh, look at this. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. Okay, you know, there you go, but yeah. st- still. Yeah. So Andrew Starkowitz rode four. He ended up in fourth place in 8:32, and so overall, yeah, good strong field for this time of yeah. year. So nice racing, nice racing, Luke McKenzie. Okay, and that was a men's only race as well. We also had Ironman career happen. Now I think the one interesting part of this was uh, we've seen Dave Scott's son Drew Scott doing well in triathlon. He got triathlon. sick a few weeks ago, didn't he? Uh, I can't remember. He, he was at um, seventy point at the ITU Worlds. I think he got in the top five or somewhere around okay. that. This time around in Ironman Korea, where we know it's an insanely difficult course in terms of usually the heat, but in the eighteen to twenty four age group, he was uh, first and oh. he was third overall. Was uh, Mark Allen's son. Uh, so Matt's Allen was in third place. Now, not very fast times at the office over in Korea. He had. Uh, Josh Randall take it out in 9.29 for a dojo domination over Kui Dang, who did 9.48, and then Matt Allen was third in 9.53. And on the girls' side of things, we had... We had, we had, we had, we had... Jessica Jacobs taking it out in 10.23, and also a dojo domination she did over Kimiko Tanaka from Japan and Elaine Young in third place. Okay, we also had the Evergreen Endurance event. Tell me about this one, John. We talked, uh, Arnold Sulikov sent this through and he took out the race. Uh, this was an epic challenge around sort of the Alps of France. Look so at this- the bike time. Yeah, so and, and horrendous weather. Arno sent over an email saying it was horrendous. So they cut the run short. I mean, he swam 101, rode 8.26, and then <laughs> Far out. ran 1.16 to take the win because uh, they, they cut the run short. But, yeah, just an epic bike course over some of the very famous Tour de France rides. So And the th- key theme that they were working with that race is to have a very green, friendly race in terms of uh, – um, Impact on the environment and impact on the local area as well. So, uh, yeah, Arno crushed it. Okay, so we're going to have a look at the Challenge Euros point season. So one thing Challenge have been doing over the last year or so is this kind of having a point system for pro athletes who race in Challenge races and some other races throughout the European season. And it's been, you know, as we were talking to, who was it, Heather? Uh, yes. No? Yeah, we were over in Rote, and she was saying it actually does motivate them to stay in Europe and actually do some of these races. And so we thought we'd have a quick look at what's happening in the points over there, John. So it's actually this this point system is is just the challenge races. They also do the prize money list, which combines ITU races, um, challenge races, Ironman races. But this is for the 
bonus prize pool, and it will have changed perhaps a little bit after the weekend, but currently we have Jan Raphael leading from Peter Himmerich, Trevor Wirtle, Guilo Molinari, Lucas Kramer, Dylan McNeese, uh, Joe Skipper was down in eighth place, but he will leapfrog with that. I would imagine he'll almost be into first place. Mm. Uh, and on the girls' side of things, Laura Siddle's taking it out with a slender lead over Lucy Charles and Simona Krikankova. And I think Lucy Charles is going off to do Kona, so Laura Siddle just keeps cranking them out, so I'd imagine she might take out the, the series. So good little initiative, and it has got a few more people over there racing this year. I think on challenge, Challenges side, they need to promote this a bit more for us. I had to go requesting the information, so it'd be really good to see them actually pinning us up there and actually giving us updates during the, the year as to, to who's leading and how it's sort of un, un, unravelling. And, uh, yeah, it's a good good concept. Okay, coming up this weekend, we've got the Brutal in the UK, which is a half, a full, a double, and a triple. Madness. Imagine being the race coordinator for that one, John Boy. And well, that's where the, the old multi-laps come into, come into place. They do lots of laps around... Uh, up around sort of the, in the northern part of Wales, I think, or sort of in that area. Uh, we've also oh, yeah, got yeah, yeah. The, the Bear Lake Brawl. Nice. So I thought I might have a quick look at this race because it's a cool entry. And again, it's got multiple distances over um, over the weekend. Uh, 320 bucks US to enter. It's uh, Last year they only had about 30 in the full, about a, just a few over 100 and a half. It's been around since 2007. So... If you want a uh, brawl at Bear Lake, go check it out. And we've also got the Red Man on this weekend, which is where they had the ITU Long Distance Worlds a few years ago. So uh, still some late season racing. And also the mountain style is going to be pretty hip and John because we've got the, how do you say, Otilio? Otilio, I think. Otilio, which is the World Championship for the swim run. And it's going to be held in... No, no, this was held last, I think it was last weekend. The reason I want to include this, and we'll put this up on our Facebook page, a lot of people will have seen it. So this is the inaugural, not the inaugural, this is the swim run event that World originated in uh, over in Sweden. And this is sort of the, the, the course where it all began. And I tell you what, have you have you looked at that clip? No, I'm watching it now in the background. Yes, yeah, so it's any other race in the world would have been called off in these conditions oh really the swim is brutal <laughs> i cannot believe that they managed to carry on with the race and uh and still had some record times so we'll put that up on our facebook page but just to see race organizers still having the balls to swim in those sort of conditions uh is testament to this uh, how oh yeah there's a bit of swell happening is. isn't it yeah oh it was full on Coming up this weekend is the grand finale of the ITU World Triathlon Series, which also doubles as the World Championships for age groupers. So it's over in Rotterdam. Could be an interesting men's race because you're going to have Gomez, who's probably a little bit tired from last weekend. Uh, so how much of a shot he can fire, we'll have to wait and see. Mario Mola has been really off the boil after being pretty much unbeatable through the first half of the season. Uh, the bike course looks very, very technical, um, both for the age groupers and for the pros. So it possibly might lend to you know, the likes of Brownlee managing to get a group away off the front and actually staying away, which plays into the, the, the hands of Gomez as well. Uh, on the women's side of things, it's kind of uh, kind of hard to to look past Flora Duffy just going out there and absolutely crushing it again because it's a technical bike course. One thing I will say is age group, the age group race over there is going to be very interesting because 
they, they put out a clip, a YouTube clip, uh, GoProing around the whole course, and man, they are riding on some sketchy oh, roads. Really? Pretty, pretty. Very, very narrow bike paths. At one section, they go through this like car parking building underneath the car parking building. Oh, really? Lots of twists in and out. It's going to be extremely interesting because at the World Champs, they do have the, the same challenge that they have at the 70.3 Champs in as much that – you know, there's a lot of congestion on the bike course, multiple wave starts. So I'll be intrigued to see how the age group race unravels for the Olympic distance, which is non-drafting. Okay, John, we are going back to Rote in 2018. And guys, how many people can go? Is it 20, is it? 20, we've, got 20, we've got 20 slots into the race. So if you want to get onto this epic experience where we get to see some cool parts of Germany, you get to hang out with a really good crew, get really well prepared for the race because we go over the entire course and uh, just feel like you're you know, part of a team, check out the I Am Talk page, uh, scroll down to the bottom and there's a link through to all the information about the camp. And we only announced it last week and we've already, already, already got a lot of interest, guys, so don't don't waste time on this one because it's it's such a cool experience. Like, you know, you get to do rote and let's be honest, you can't even get tickets to that now. So, you know, to be able to do rote is kind of a dream for most triathletes in their career, but... You heard the interviews. The experience that you have in a group just it makes it ten times better. And you just camaraderie and cool experiences. It'll definitely be an experience you'll keep forever. So check it out. Go to www.imtalk.me and you can be joining us two and the rest of the crew in wrote in 2018. Jombo sponsor. Athlinks.com. Yes. Log into your Athlinks, and you could, uh, one thing that I hadn't actually noticed is when you're on your overview page, which is where you kind of first come into, it shows what races your friends are, come, uh, are doing oh. if they have put them into Athlinks. So I can tell you that uh, coming up uh, this weekend, uh, whoops, a daisy, clicking where I shouldn't be, uh, going to the Portage Lakes Fit Family Series Triathlon is Lou Dredgley. Uh, the weekend after that, I'm in Chattanooga. Old Rob Spine Tingler Green's name's down on the list there. The Newton Challenge in October over in Singapore. David Reeb is over there. He's got 47 days to go. Then we've got the Austin 70.3. Mike Threadgold, 47 days of training left nice. there, Mike. And I'm in Arizona, 68 days to go. Tim Martindale, met Tim over in uh, at the Kona 70.3 a couple of times. So, Get on there and try to connect with your friends and try to encourage people to put their, their races that they have got upcoming into Athlinks. And then you can kind of see what everybody's up to and especially some of your friends that you know maybe not be in your area so you don't sort of keep in close contact with them. You can send them a bit of encouragement and give them the old uh, pull their finger out. You know, Rob Green, I'm in Chattanooga. Make sure you go go fast. And, uh, yeah, so get on to athlinks.com, put all your upcoming races in there as well as all your results and let the world know what you're doing. And it is true, isn't it? You know, like, if you get that just, like, nice text or an email from a friend saying good luck in your race, it, it really doesn't mean a lot. Absolutely. So, A, it's nice because you're helping, you know, you're supporting a friend. But, B, it makes you look good, you know. <laughs> the reciprocity team, remember, reciprocity. If you give someone, they feel they need to give something back to you. So, so there you go. So, win, win. Athletics.com, guys. If you aren't on there, check it out. And you can, you know, just keep your athletic performance forever. Jombo, let's look at our Facebook page because we're going to talk about this week's discussion and we had a discussion around what are the kind of the weird things, tips and tricks or tools or strategies that you use to make training more effective. 
you kick it off, Bevan. Okay, well, I'm just pulling it up myself. <laughs> See how I did the long introduction there? Okay, here we go. Joe Combe has got um, one-way epics. Once every Ironman prep, I get on the tr- to train somewhere with my bike and run ride back. Uh, this time, last Friday, it was 150k straight down the Hume Freeway in Victoria with you a beautiful... Uh, with a butte tailwind to massage my ego. Another option is a one-way epic run. Uh, pack a credit card, run one way, and get on the train home or catch a cab after breakfast. Better to wait for summer for those, though, because you might freeze travelling home. Tim, it's pedal to the metal forward, isn't it, I think? Yeah, I, I listen, think to an, listen to an audio book only when I'm on my long run. Makes me look forward to it so I can find out what is happening. Nice to join the wise one. Botel's got make it social, long rides, longer runs with kids. Otherwise, if it's not sustainable and not fun, um, so I've got to make sure I keep it fun. Steve Sutherland, I skip some of my swim workouts and go surfing instead. Feeds the body and the soul. Good old Critter Williams, that's a good name. Uh, Strava Segments, he's got uh, Who Doesn't Like Crowns. They do work. Although I find Strava, because I use my phone, so I actually run with my phone in my hand, and I find Strava frustrating in the app because you'll you'll be running along and you go, I'll just look at how my average speed is. And if you're in a segment, it takes over the screen and you can't actually see where you are on your run. And there's no real obvious way to go back to the main stats. I find that very frustrating. There you go. Strava, feedback for you. Uh, Steve Chamberlain-Ward replaces swim session with a kayak session. Fastest I've ever swum was when I was kayaking 50 kilometres per week and not swimming. That's interesting. Mm. You'd have to have a pretty good swim base as your movement, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Thomas O'Quirk has got getting chased by the police. That's a good one. That is a good one. That would be very motivating. Yeah. 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 I I was in Melbourne a couple of years ago. No, Sydney with Joe, and uh, some guy was getting chased by the police, and everyone was going full on for about twenty <laughs> seconds, and then when the cop caught him, and the guy got a massive beating. So, so if you want to get chased, if you're gonna get chased by the cops, make sure you don't get caught. Mm. Uh, Bevan, what are your what are your out of the box tools out of the box to make tools. training more effective or fun? Um, Look, a bo- couple of things that I do because I give you a chance to think about yeah. it. They're not really out of the box things, but again, just trying to spice up training. I do like the idea of the, doing the Strava segments. It's um, I, I couldn't give a toss about Strava very much when I'm in in Ironman training because you never well. No, not saying never. It's very rare that I'll go up a climb as hard as I can when I'm during during, during a race build-up. So going and checking out some Strava segments and, and playing around with them. And uh, I know that I did a little bit of that when I was building up for um, Epic Camp in France. Um, the other thing that I um, have done in the past as well is just buggy running. just gets you out there with the, when you, if you've got young kids and you kind of – it's not the most effective training, but you feel like you're doing something rather than uh, than just hanging out at home. And the other thing that I really try to make an effort to do when I'm not in a particular build-up or anything like that is just going and trying some really different rides. Um, so in Christchurch, we're very fortunate because it's pretty hilly. And I just sometimes go up just these random streets, which are hills, but the hill climb might only be a few minutes long. And it's a up and up and down climb and so kind of disruptive if you're trying on to go on a, a nice steady long ride but i'll just go out and f- climb up all these different roads that i would never otherwise climb up and just to just to keep it fresh yeah yeah i'm like that too I, I love adventure runs and that's what i like being a tourist and i know this is a bit different to when you're trying to make it more effective but i do love it when you're a tourist like joe and i when we were in europe 
you're going for a run and there is a fitness aspect to it. You do, you know, you just keeping your fitness up, but literally just exploring, you know. And one thing I've never done much of, which maybe in my older life I might do, is orienteering. Have you ever done that? Not since school times, no. But that would be a really good, effective way of doing it. Yeah, and they have them, it's quite popular in Christchurch. They often have them close to where John and I live. And you can go out on a Tuesday night and have these orienteering races, which last from, I think, from an hour to 90 minutes, depending on how good you are at orienteering. But (laughs) stuff like that, you know. And for me, listening's obviously a big one. I love listening to good music and to create my ultimate playlist for when I'm going to work hard in a session. So, like, for me, when I run, I'll listen to music. And my strategy is... In the first half of the run, or when I'm not doing my intense section of the run, I use music discovery. So basically, I'll put a playlist on, I'll go on Spotify, and I'll put a playlist of music I've never heard before. So it's just a good way for me to be exploring new music. But then when it comes to either going home or doing my harder segments, I have my ultimate playlist. And my ultimate playlist is the next song makes me think, yes, I love this song. And so pretty much just every song in the playlist, you're just like, it's the best song that you love right now that works really well for me to me music for motivation and pushing hard is Mm. massive for me um what other strategies do i use to me objectives before a session so actually Mm -hmm. spending a few minutes not just thinking oh what i want to do today but actually really kind of doing that visualization like today i'm gonna do a 5k time trial and what are you gonna do well i'm hoping to get 17 and a half i hope i can um but I haven't really been running fast in a while. So, but you know, like I woke up this morning, your 5K time trial is always a bit of a scary thing to do. And so it's like, okay, well, before I do it, I'm going to sit in the car. I'm just going to do a bit of visualization. I'm going to think about how I'm going to pace it. I'm going to think about what you put my watch. I'm just going to run the run through my head so I can actually be really successful. Um, and, I, and I think that's one of the things that most athletes really lack is mental prep for sessions, especially in your A sessions of the week. You know, we go into it. And how often, you know, the real question you've got to ask yourself is, how often do I really hit the objective of my A session? And if that's not being achieved a lot, well, why is that the case? Because a lot of people, they'll go to their A session, and then when it comes time to do that hard moment, they kind of just give up, or they give themselves excuses to not go to the levels they're hoping to achieve. And that's often because either they're mentally tired, or they just haven't prepped well for it. And so for me, it's like, okay, well, this is going to be a hard run. So if I want to achieve the objective of it, which is to really see where my fitness is right now, then I need to be able to mentally have played that game in my head. So to spend, it only takes five minutes, but before I get out of the car, think of the objections, think of the things I've got to overcome, think about how I'm going to run the run, you know, just all those little things, think of how I'm going to mentally charge myself in the last part of the run, makes a massive difference to how you train. So for me, that's probably the biggest thing when it comes to quality training. I would would definitely agree with your A sessions, but I also think that a lot of people don't have any objectives when they're going out for their B and C sessions, and that's when it just becomes sort of just junk miles. So, you know, at the moment, you know, I go out and I'm just doing quite a bit of steady running, which is kind of just just running along. But you just want to have, you know, maybe two or three aspects of your technique because you're not have to having to worry about pace or anything like that. You're just running, but just having a few little things you want to focus on, even when it's a, you know, a B or a C sort of more aerobic type session. So, there you go. Yeah, totally. Having objectives to session is, you know, like one of the things I talk to people who think about joining race team, which is my half marathon product, is most people who run just train themselves slow. Because they just run and, you know, they come to our program and we get massive results. And it's because we've got a program that has objectives, you know, it's a real des- well-designed program. But 
so many people just don't have objectives to training. And as John was saying, if you can almost think of every session in my week, there's an objective. Now, it's not always going to be intensity, but you're going to become a much better athlete if you can go and where's the value in the session for me as my overall athletes? Massive, eh? Absolutely. Okay, John, but this week's discussion, I like it. I'm going with option A, although I do like option B, but option A, John, because you've come up with it, tell me how you came up with it and what it is. So some of you, I haven't been following this very closely, but some of you may have seen there's a uh, professional cycling team, Cannondale Draypack, and it sounds like they're going bust, and what they've done is gone out and crowdfunded to keep the team alive. Okay. Uh, I've got no idea how it's going. Um, what's, but, what's the name of the team? Uh, Cannondale Draypack. So they're, they're a proper, they're, they're a Tour de France team. They got some, you know, there's a Kiwi on, there's a couple of Kiwis on the team. It's um, Paddy Bevan might be on the team, I think. So it's, you know, it is a Tour de France team, multi-million dollar, um, you know, contracts in terms of all the sponsors. Like those teams cost millions and millions of dollars to run. So I was thinking, if um, would people be interested in, and this is not something I'm going to organise, but trying to crowdfund a pro athlete. And if you were to say, I'm going to put in 10 bucks a month or whatever value it might be to crowdfund an athlete, how much do you think we'd need to get together to fund an athlete? And what would you want in return from that athlete? Would you just be happy just to be investing in someone? Or would you be wanting to see, you know, fortnightly posts or whatever to the to those people that supported them but i just kind of thought it would be quite a fun little project is uh is i don't know you know get a thousand people putting in 10 bucks a month or something like that and fund a pro athlete for a year and uh i don't know it was just just an idea is that of interest to people so they just so while you're doing that i just did a quick search on what's happening and they have actually found a sponsor so i'm not sure quite sure if they uh-huh. need the money but they were aiming to get two million dollars and they weren't going to get it. So although they've got a flexible goal, which means they'll receive all the funds, even if they don't get the $2 million. But <laughs> they were at the point where, so it runs out tomorrow, they had raised 560000 So they did okay. Mm. And they had different kind of categories of, you know, how much you donate to what you get. Uh, if you donated 50000 US, you got to be the owner. So, <laughs> so you get two days of team camp and four days of racing of your own choice during 2018 uh, owners will be welcome into the team car and one of those four races owners will also receive all the benefits of an officiato outlined above so there you go you, if you've got spare 50,000 US you can own a cycling team John there you go so yeah great discussion so what would you want in return for say $10 a month if you're going to you know, crowdfund a pro athlete. John, three, two, one. Stats-tastic. It's, it's fantastic. fantastic. Well, we've got an athlete in our sport right now who will go down as one of the top three female long course athletes of all time. That's a good discussion as who is the best long course of all time. She may end up taking that title. And we thought we'd look at some of the stats behind Daniela Reeve today. Yeah. Now, I wanted to do this because she's obviously crushed a 70.3 at the weekend. In in an ideal world, I'd be able to go somewhere and find all of Daniela Reeves' results in one place, maybe something like Um, Athlinks.com. But thankfully, we've got Trisplits.com, and um, that's old Daniel there. He's a a pro Ironman athlete, and he he tracks all the pro iron distance races as best that he can. And so based off that, I looked at Daniela's um, iron distance performances. I was thinking... How would you compare her against Chrissy? So 
it compares fairly favourably. Although Chrissy was undefeated, I think, at Iron Distance Race, wasn't she? So, but Daniela Reef has had 11 Iron Distance starts. She's had one second place when she got run down by Marinda Carfrey in her first race in Kona. Yep. She's had one DNF where she, that was in Frankfurt. Frankfurt when the weather was so crappy, and she had nine wins. So 11 starts, nine wins, one second, and one DNF. And only two of those races have been uh, greater than nine hours. That's pretty impressive. The, the Chrissy question is a really big one, but isn't it? Because she still hasn't been in Chrissy's time. Not quite, yeah. No, yeah, no. And I think that's you're going to go, Chrissy was undefeated. You, you know, she has lost Daniela, but the t- and times are different and all the rest of it. And um, it, it may be impossible for a bit time with the change in Challenge Road course now. But yeah, it, how, do you, how do you divide two legends like that? Mm. She's also a three-time 70.3 champ, uh, and again, I want to be able to find somewhere where all her 70.3 starts are listed, but I know she obviously didn't have the great race last year, uh, and I'm not sure if she will have done many other 70.3s prior to that in terms of world championships, because she was doing short course. She's also, she's been around for a while, so she's only 30 years old, but her career started, an ITU career started in 2003, whereas a junior, she was uh, sixth at the ITU. World Championships in Queenstown, so she's been in the game quite a while. Um, but she oh, hasn't she must been really young. Mm-hmm. So fourteen, yeah, bloody hell, sixteen or something like that. Yeah, no, well, wait, wait, what is it? It's, it's, yeah, she, she was really young. So John, I think she got, will go down as the greatest long course athlete if she sticks around for a few more years. The thing she has got on Chrissy is Chrissy didn't have the seventy point three career like Danielle is having. Mm, absolutely you know, so if you go iron man it's very mm. much on par and it's a pretty interesting debate if you go if you kind of spread that out a little bit further you're going to say definitely daniela's because of the you know the 70.3 achievement she's had and she had some pretty reasonable success as uh, an itu athlete as well not dominating or anything like that but she had a number of podiums and she was third at the itu world uh, world sprint distance champs in 2010 so she did have a number of podiums on the itu circuit as well so but you yeah, wouldn't just, have seen her coming over and being the athlete she is uh, not to the same extent no she was a real axe on the the bike very strong biker so you would think she would have been very good but not uh, dominant. Mm, pretty awesome stuff. She's definitely, it's awesome. It's always nice to be in a sport where you get to see one of the legends in their prime. And what we're seeing from Daniela right now is, is totally that, isn't it? Mm, it's it's great, but kind of boring when you're watching it. <laughs> it's almost like the Schumacher effect, isn't it? Schumacher kind of killed Formula One because he was so dominant for a while. Mm. Yeah. Okay, Jombo, you can do it. Coach's Corner. Okay, so you want to do a fast 5K, beat 17 and a half by Country Mile. By <laughs> oh, Country Mile, hell yeah. Where, where are you right now? Have you done a test? I uh, don't really want to go down that path quite yet okay. because I know it will be Where, where do you ugly. think? You'd be about 17, wouldn't you? No, I, I would be miserable, absolutely miserable. So I don't want to go there. Again, it's a bit like when we've talked in the past about, you know, just going out and doing a 20-minute TT to try to set up your FTP zones. If you haven't had some sessions to build into that, you're probably not going to get a, a particularly good result. And it may, and it's, chances are it won't be reflective of where your fitness actually is because you just haven't been doing any intensity. So okay, I John, just, be- just before you move on, my, my time's gone out to 18 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, good planning. Good, good listening. Yeah. 
so um yeah so my time when the 5k races are on around here is sort of late january early february so i've got around about from here about 22 weeks to get into shape 21 22 weeks so quite a, a decent amount of time the key differences between say what i do in my rote and kona build up when we're doing sort of ironman stuff is the training for me is going to be a lower priority in life. You know, when it, when when I was training for right, I don't know how the hell you fit in the training. You just you make it you make it happen, and uh, and you get the job done, and you still seem to have time for everything else. At the moment, I'm just going, you know, it's it's just a bit hardest to, to make the time for training, but it, so it is a lower priority in life. I'll be aiming for five runs per week. Um, I do one and a half swims, and so but what do you mean a half swim? It's when I take the kids to the pool and I'll swim maybe a k to 1500 meters, uh, and then riding I'll be doing zero to one rides. And one thing that I will be a bit more consistent with is doing some core work, um, and I'll be making sure I get two to three sessions of core stuff per week. So how long do you do core for? Uh, generally sort of 30 minutes so okay. I do a, just a 30 minute routine so that's the difference between what I was doing for Ironman stuff then I would have been running sort of three to four times now it's up to, to five times it's probably only going to be around about nine hours training a week at most uh, the other big difference between the running that I do now versus running when I'm doing Ironman stuff will be a much bigger focus on uh, doing running drills. When I go through Ironman stuff, there's very little running drills just because it's that, uh, you know, just trying to fit everything in and, and you've got to let some things go. So I don't do a lot of running drills when I'm in a race build up. Uh, also, obviously, a much bigger focus on doing leg speed work. So that's not just around going and doing intervals. That's actually around doing quite a lot of bursts of speed, you know, 15 to 20 seconds where you're really not sprinting, but you're running as fast as you possibly can doing strides um, without sort of moving into a sprinting technique. But when and, you talk about lead speed, do you still keep your, your stride length the same or do you let it lengthen out? Uh, well, you know, I'm not trying to reach out in front in terms of lengthening my my stride length. So, of course, when you go faster, your stride length is going to be longer, but it's more about trying to just get the legs turning over, so getting the cadence as high as possible. So, I wouldn't say I'm focusing on the leg, the the stride length that's going to improve um, automatically through going faster, but it's more a focus on on speed and sort of dovetailed into that is doing a bit more general agility work and a bit more plyometrics so some more explosive work just to try to get those fast twitch, fast twitch fibers working a bit more so a bit more jumping uh combining in plyometrics with some leg speed work uh and so just a bit more of a focus on those little things that often get left to one side when you are sort of focusing on uh, all three sports as I said, I've got around about 20 weeks through to race time, and there will be I'll be trying to insert some other races in between now and then as well, but that's when I'm going to try to peak is around that sort of January, February time. In terms of the periodization, um, so the way that you, you should work your periodization is figure out where your peak is, and then you work backwards from there. And so the main difference, again, with the Ironman build-up is that last sort of six to eight weeks there will be a lot more hard very hard intervals you know doing 200s 400s really hard 1k reps as opposed to building up for rote you know i certainly did some intervals and did some harder running but it was much more around sort of maybe 
maximum speed sort of 10k pace whereas when you're doing trying to go for a fast 5k you've got to be doing quite a bit of running quicker than your race pace but for the first half of the periodization so the next sort of six to eight weeks it's actually not drastically different to what i would do for an ironman focuses very much on strength and endurance bringing in a little bit more leg speed but so for example you know yesterday i was doing eight eight and a half to nine minute hill reps which is similar to what i do for um for building up for an ironman so in terms of laying out my week um i am coming from a pretty low point my running is feeling pretty crap right now uh my current structure is going to be running on mondays doing hill reps for as i said at the moment eight to nine minutes and that will come down as the intensity goes up my wednesday is going to be sort of 60 to 75 minutes with a lot more drills and leg speed work Thursday is going to be steady aerobic running, but again, as we discussed before with Bevan, you know, having a couple of objectives around that um, through good technique. Saturday, do lots and lots of hills, you know, an hour and a half to two hours of just constant hills, and then Sunday is uh, sort of a, a again a, a semi endurance run with some drills. So main differences there couple of sessions with quite a bit of drill work um a lot of strength work with with the hills and then just general aerobic conditioning and once we sort of get into around christmas new year time that's when the uh the more interesting high intensity reps will start to kick in Hmm. and how do you look after you know because there's a lot of kind of strength and conditioning around the body but you're also going to go into a massive overload period of impact and intensity um so what are you doing outside of sessions for body care uh, so doing a reasonable amount of off-road running whenever practical and possible. So if, if I'm getting into the hills, if I can get onto to tracks and trails, uh, I'll also will be dabbling a little bit with doing some barefoot running again um, in the old five fingers. But in terms of looking after the body, for me, it's more about just making sure I stay on top of the flexibility and um, just doing that, trying to be as religious as possible about doing you know 15 minutes or so every night if you're sitting down watching tv just getting stuck into some flexibility and that's the one key thing irrespective of the distances that i'm doing uh, that sort of keeps my body in shape and then just around that periodization making sure that every uh, i do three weeks on one week easier in that easier week the training is pretty aerobic and you get a good adaptation in terms of absorbing the work you've done and also spreading those harder workouts through the weeks so not backing up hard workouts so at the moment the days where I've got a bit of intensity and more sort of Monday and um, sort of Saturday. So spreading those workouts through the week. As I get further in, it'll probably be something like Monday, Thursday, um, Sunday or Monday, Thursday, Saturday, just spreading out those hard runs. Uh, any other questions I have for you, John? For me, it's strength work. For me, I, I'm, I, I, I luckily don't have to do a lot of flexibility, but for me, it's doing strength work. If I want to get intense and get through it without injuring myself. And it's something I've managed to do in the last few years, which is good, is making sure I discipline with some strength work. And for me, it's a couple of pump classes, um, CX, which is a great core worker that's really good for hips and knees and lower body. Uh, and then just a, a specific gym session around hamstrings and stuff like that. So um, yeah, definitely got to look after these bodies teams, especially with impact, especially with intensity. So, okay, well, and what's the ultimate goal? Oh, the ultimate goal is sub-16, but I think Ooh. that's a big stretch. Uh, but I'll be satisfied with anything under 16.30. Sub-16 would be pretty cool. That would be – that's a big ask. Is that's there a, a championship race that you're doing it, or have you got any races in No, that's the thing. I mean, I would like to have a bit more time, and, and I think that maybe that 16 
you know, low 16 as possible, but maybe not in the time frame that I've got if I looked more into winter. So I will carry on running. I plan to carry on running all the way through winter. And then there's a couple of 10Ks where I might try to go fast. So at this stage, you know, I haven't got a championship race. It's more a case there's those 5K races in Hagley Park during our summer. Yep. And so uh, they are accurate and you do get some good runners there, but you do have a few a few little corners, but you should still be able to do a pretty good time. Okay, Jonbo, uh, we'll do sponsor first. Oh, sponsor first, yep. Extreme Endurance. Now they've got their protein and it will good good time to be bringing this up we were talking about you know breaking our muscles down through doing this very hard high intensity work and how to look after ourselves and one way to do that is to make sure that you take in some protein and one flavor that i love is vanilla and extreme endurance now have oh. the vanilla flavor as well as the yummy chocolate but they got vanilla and i love a good vanilla shake very simple they've got their cool Bottles you can get off Extreme Endurance as well. Uh, so if you want to make sure you bounce back from sessions really well, get hold of some of the X Endurance protein. Use the promo code IAMTALK20 to get a 20% discount, and jobs are good. And they have some analactic in their protein powder as well, so it also helps with a bit of energy for post-recovery. And one thing they do do, guys, if you are a user of X Endurance and you know you kind of go through so much product over a time period, so you might go... You know, I, I use a protein for a month. You can have automatic delivery. So once you've kind of figured out those time frames, without even to think about it, it could just turn up if you do an automatic delivery. So if you want to do that, you just when you go onto the product page where you got more information, see auto ship down the bottom, and they can arrange that for you. So check out xendurance.com, and you can get the cool protein in vanilla, and maybe some other stuff while you're there. Jombo Wanger of the week. We're going Category 6 today, Bevan. I've had random.org out, so Category 6 is... Swinging. Swinging. Who is the best swinger in our Ironman community? So the swinger is oh. the most runtime. Well, it's good old Forrest Gump, isn't it? Let's have a look. Yes, it is. Forrest Gump's still going in the States. Yep. Uh, Jim Plunkett Cole, he did nine activities and ran 19 hours and 58 minutes. Jeepers, creepers. Jonathan, he's, he's already ran 140 miles this month. <laughs> Jonathan Pasquale was second with 13 hours and 30 minutes off five runs. Still bloody impressive. And Matt Crehan was in third. He did 11 hours and 10 minutes off only two runs. Jeez, that's good. So going back to good old Forrest Gump, Jim Plunkett Cole, Plunkett Cole, he's, he, guess how far he's ran this year, John? In miles. So how many weeks? We, we, what are we, we September? So what are we, um, I don't know, uh, 3,000? Four and a half. Well, over four and a half. Four, six. That's a lot. That's a lot. And he's, he's done it. Okay, so I'm going to do some calculations here. So he's done four, 6,000 miles and he's done that in 314 runs. So he averages 14 mile a run, which is half, this is basically a, a, over a half marathon is your average run. Crazy. Oh. Crazy. I wonder if we had any people going over 100 kilometers an hour this week on the bike. What about girls? Did you do the girls? I did not do the girls. Sorry, Joe Combe is number one. She did just under the five hours. Then we've got Jessica Spore in 4.38 and Jennifer Moore in 3.29. And 100Ks, John, did we get 100K? Uh, where is the highest speed? Yes, 120K. Oh, we got 100, 120 yep. this week. Good old Daniel Clark, turn it off. <laughs> nice. 
120. That is impressive. Okay, Jombo. Um, questions and answers. And this is actually quite applicable to this last this little uh, discussion there because good old Nick Pocock sent through, is I have a rice smile at your ideas of why females fly down hills slide, slide slower. He, um, I'm here to tell you that it's not much to do versus men versus women. It's weight-based and bravery. As long as the woman is heavier than a male cyclist, she will, assuming no brakes, fly down the mountain faster. Typically, men are quicker than women, especially in triathlon, and this down travel downhill quicker. Uh, it's purely Newton theory based on, and not based on gender. Can't wait to hear from all the women mailing you to, in to complain. So there you go. I did have someone else who pointed out that very, very similar thing that women typically are smaller than guys. And of course, it's obvious that if you're smaller, you will, in theory, go down the hill slower through Newton's theory. But I don't find that that's necessarily the case. Uh, Oh, wow. You see, you're going to go there. (laughs) Well, look, for example, if I went for a ride with Andrea Hewitt and go down the hill, she's, you know, I don't know what Andrea weighs, but probably... 50 kgs or something yeah. i'm 70 she can keep up no problem now it's slightly different if you've got those massive massive uh, weight differences say you've got a 100 kilometer 100 kilogram guy versus a 50 kilogram uh, female then obviously they've got a massive big advantage yeah. but i think my feeling is more often than not it is as nick pocock said it's down to weight base and bravery yeah. and i think no no bravery is not necessarily the right, right word well, it's keenness, uh, to, keenness to let go really isn't it yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's that's my. Well, it's interesting. So Aaron um, Hurwitz got second in eighty-eight. So that's probably the fastest man we had this week. And Tony Hodge got fifty-nine. So there's a nearly a thirty k difference there. Mm. I wonder, Tony, flick us an email. And are you just going absolutely crazy when you're doing that? Um, and Aaron, are you going absolutely crazy? Both of you, I want an email from both of you. I want a full page report. <laughs> uh, and just let us know, uh, is that you guys pretty much just letting go? Or Tony, are you actually holding back a little bit there? So, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing a scientific research on the difference between speed and men and women. Okay, second email we got here from here was from the Holy Hammer. And he's got, Bevan, a few weeks ago, I was talking about color blindness. And he's saying almost 10% of male are affected, with the most common being red green. For me, now Murray is colorblind. Oh, he has this level. And he said, for me, that means flowers on trees like Pakura Kawa blend into the background of the green leaves and are less visible. I can see, so the Pakura, how do you say it? Pakura Kawa, it's got these beautiful red flowers in New Zealand. Yeah, we've got one in our house. It's beautiful. It comes around Christmas time. Christmas time, sorry. Um, I can't see red tea, golf teas on the grass and orange being red and orange is difficult. Uh, but white and yellow are fine. Traffic lights are fine because they are not red on green background. Oh, that's interesting. So for swim boys, yellow are most versatile as red often have the green vegetation in the background. White boys used in metropolitan environments like Auckland Harbour with white buildings as a backdrop are difficult to sight, whereas yellow contrasts well with both urban and rural. So now you know why his tri outfits are so shocking. It's a good point. Um, so if you're a race organizer the reason I've included that if you're a race organizer looking at getting some swim boys get yellow ones as as recommended by Murray so we now have yellow swim boys for triathlon Canterbury oh did you? we did you did? I was going to get red ones but Murray said get yellow Andy Moat sent through this, uh, just saying that currently there's a DECA underway in Switzerland right now they're on now they so far have done 183 hours this is a few days ago so 
they've, they've finished now. So this is a, a continuous decade, which is just cray cray. Is, so what, what, what order did they do? They, they do a swim bike run, but it's the one where you do the full swim, <sighs> you do the full bike, and you do the full run. So it's not where you're doing a decker a day. It is the continuous one. My God, <laughs> the length of time some people are swimming for. Ah, oh, right. One person was swimming for 24 hours and 32 minutes. Now, I'm assuming that that was not uh, necessarily in the water continuous of 24 hours, and they probably got out and had some breaks. So the the, the range of times here for the swim was, uh, I think, 14 hours, 59 was the quickest to, to, to complete the full swim. Oh, the God. bike ride, they ranged uh, from just over 100 hours. Now, the, fastest bike, the fastest swim was 11 hours, which is under 12 hours. Constantine Zimadanis. I can't see that one in front of me. Anyway, yeah. um, but the bike times they were sort of just over a hundred hours through to about 150 hours, and then the run times were sort of in the the fastest one was 86 hours, ranging through to 138 hours. So they had 12 male finishes and. Four female finishes. Crazy. Total time of the winner was 213 hours and 44 minutes. So that's doing, what, a 38K swim, 1,800-kilometre bike ride, and a 420-kilometre run. Are you, are you on the site where they've got all the photos? Uh, I'm not on that page at the moment, no. Oh, they've got all the photos. And, and most of them look very much like experienced athletes. But they've got one girl who looks like she's bloody 18. Unbelievable. The ages of the females, the winner was 1971. There was one that was not, there was one in 1995. There you go. Jeepers, creepers. So what, 22? Yeah. Wow. Laura Noblash from the States, 1995. So the winners of the female was Alexandra Maxneur from Austria, 244 hours. <laughs> with a She won by 31 hours. That's a, that's a dojo domination. That's official. Yeah, we'll give that to them. <laughs> and then on the guy's side of things, he was Ferenc Zloni from, I think that flag is Hungary, I think. And he did 213 hours and won by three hours and 36 minutes. So the day you train for that, John? Yeah. We, we, we have interviewed one of these guys years ago, didn't we? Mm, yeah. It just doesn't doesn't motivate me to even comprehend how you would train for one of these things. It doesn't motivate me to do it, but I would love to have a moment to experience what it's like when you're in the deepest, darkest place because it's it's madness. M -m -m madness. Absolute madness. We, we got an email through from Alan Bryce, Bryson, and he did the Sunshine Coast 70.3, and he was saying, John, there was some blatant cheating, and he wants us to name and shame. He's even put the person's name. He's, I'm not going to name and shame <laughs> He's pretty angry, so he's got, I've just completed Ironman 70.3 Sunshine Coast, and I cannot believe the blatant cheating on the bike. I rode with a group of five the whole way, and we were constantly past slower athletes, and four of us did our best to maintain the 12-meter draft zone, which was not easy. One guy, however, number, his name is Bleep Bleep, drafted one to two meters off someone someone's will for pretty much the whole 90Ks. It makes me so mad. I think you should start naming and shaming, calling out these cheaters. Ah! Rant over. And I went back to him and I just kind of said, well, 
what does this mean for your experience? And, and he's, he's a bit more calmer now. He's had a few days. And he's just got, I can't agree with, um, I said, all right, we can't really name the name, but um, he said, I can I agree you can't call them out post-race rage speaking. As you say, though, it distracts from the race experience. Instead of thinking about what you've done, you concentrate on the negatives you see. Part of the problem is the way the wave starts to set up. Sunshine Coast 70.3 was an age group mass start with the larger male age group split into threes. Uh, the issue with this is that you're constantly catching slower athletes on the bike and it becomes very congested. Self-seated starts with small groups of five to six setting off every five to six seconds works much better and eliminates most of this issue. I wish Ironman could decide on a model that works best. And that's maybe the really good point, isn't it, John, is that they, they, they've got to figure out the model and they've got to say, this is how we're doing it. Yeah, I just think when you get... Whichever way you're going to do it, on a flat course with big fields... It's going to be bloody hard to police it. So I've got to say, um, the person who was cheating, but they, a cheat's a cheat. <laughs> yeah. A cheat's a cheat. You know, Iron Man need to figure this out, but if so-and-so number, beep, 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 beep. Yeah. You know, if you're going to cheat, you cheat. So there you go. So I, we can't call you out, but Alan knows who you are, and you know who you are. If you listen Alan's 40, 44 age group, and I did have, uh, the Albatross was also saying that he was in that age group, and he said there was some, he was pretty fired up about the drafting as well. Okay, nice, nice. Um, Jombo, patrons. Yes, we've got a couple of new patrons yeah, no, too. No, I know one of them, so I've got to think of a good nickname. Oh, you do? Yeah. Sam Wolves, he does, uh, he's in your running group, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's is, good. Is, is yeah. yeah. So you've got Sam Walls, and we've also got uh, Andy Phillips. So You go Andy Phillips, I'll do, I'll do Sam Walls. Okay. We're back, we had a quick pause because we had to think of the nicknames there. John, you've got Andy Phillips, and tell us the story of how we got to this. Well, Andy, he trains with the Kingswood Triathlon Club in Bristol. And, oh, nice. Uh, the kit. And so he was thinking he could have had the name Knight Rider, but I think we've already used that one, and we like to come up with our own names. Yeah, you, you don't get Jen. to make your own nickname up. <laughs> he's, got nice, he's got a nice picture of him uh, over in there in Venice, and he said his first race was Ironman UK at 13.51, then did Ironman Wales in 2016, a bit quicker, now training for a faster Wales next year. So assuming you didn't race last weekend in Wales. So for people that don't know their geography very well, Bristol's right, uh, very close to Wales. It's kind of uh, on the border, not almost on the border of Wales. So he's going to go over there, which is not too far to go. And so thought, we were sort of thinking the Welsh theme. And Bevan, you might not be Welsh, Andy, you probably aren't. But Bevan <laughs> said, but what about a dragon? For the and dragon I, and I thought, when I thought dragon... I thought Game of Thrones, you know, like, you know, mean mythological dragon blowing fire and killing people. What did you come up with, John? Puff. Puff, the magic dragon. Lives by the sea. sea. Bristol's pretty close to the sea. Go down to Western Supermere, a nice big muddy beach, classic British beach. (laughs) Uh, So, Puff. Andy Phillips, you are Puff. Andy Puff Phillips. There we go. Because when he goes past you, there's a puff of fire. Exactly. Okay, I got Sam Walls. Sam Walls is this very, very, very lovely, good young man. He's been, um, he was a guy who found fitness kind of in his late teens, early 20s. And uh, he's also a bit of a, loves his film work. And it's just a really awesome young man, actually. A young man who I've got a lot of time for. He's just a good hearted, really nice person. But one thing about Sam is whenever you do a run, we, we, whenever there's, you, you know how you, how you should you finish a race, John? You should be rooted. And, and and as you get to the finish line, what kind of gear should you be in? 
you should be in really sweaty gear. Oh, no, I meant like car gear, you dog. you <laughs> 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 full steam ahead gear. <laughs> you should be in sweaty gear. Nice. <laughs> well, well okay. Sam, one thing you can always expect to see from Sam is when he's coming to the finish line, he lays it all on the line, man. Like you, continue, you turn around the corner, he sees the finish line, and there's, there's, it's 100% to the max so and he becomes a bit of a wild man so I've gone Sam wild one wolves wild one wolves and he obviously has some sweaty gear as well good <laughs> so yeah. uh, back to the future John what's all this about we'll go sponsors first athlinks.com social networking for endurance athletes extreme endurance your lactic buffer and our patrons and let's name it oh we've already done that uh, you want to become a patron go to dub 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 I am talked to me and you too can get an amazing nickname like Puff. Like Puff. Okay, or the wild go. one. No, the reason I put um, Back to the Future down there, I was just thinking what I did at the weekend because you always ask and you're keen to know. We went Nostalgia Street on Netflix and showed the kids Back to the Future. They were loving it. They watched so much rubbishy shit on TV. Yeah. They thought, let's find something from our era that they might enjoy. And it still Back holds up for them? Sorry? It still holds up for them? Yeah, they, they really enjoyed it. Except the funny thing is, Back to the Future, two. first one or the one of the, one of them, um, when they go to 2015, yeah, yeah. is going, that was two years ago. It's yeah. not like that. Yeah. Well, they had so. the Back to the Future Day a couple of years ago. It was a big thing on the internet. And oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, Zach. I showed it to Tyler, but she was a bit too young. So I can't remember what age I showed it to her because I thought it's such a great film. And I remember we were watching it and she just turns to me. She goes, Dad. I don't get it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, there was a bit of explaining happening. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that was good. And also took Thomas out for a bike ride today. We've got this. People, if you're in New today, Zealand. you went out already? No, no. No, this was at the weekend. Oh. If you want to get a really good testing Olympic distance race, come down to the Corsia Classic on January the 28th. It was doubling as a New Zealand National Championships, which is a, the primary selection race for the world champs, which is going to be in the Gold Coast next year. And we've got a duathlon on there in a couple of weeks, a JD duathlon, and it's a good hilly bike course. How far, how far is the course? For, t- for, for the open race, it's a 28K ride, um, but for Tom's race, he's going to have to do about 13 to 14Ks, yep. and it's all hills. And he hasn't done really much riding in the hills, so I thought, A, I've got to take him out there to see if he can handle the downhills, and B, to see if he can get up the uphills. But he managed it. What about the – where do you start the run? Do You don't do the bit out of the water. No, you sort of just do a little a little loop course okay. on the run. Um, but, yeah, there's some good pitches there on the way back that are in excess of 10%, you know, coming up out of rail packy, and he managed to get up them. There was a bit of huffing and puffing, but he made it. So it's good times when you can get out there with your kids and actually do some uh, some slightly more challenging things. Oh, that was, cool. was my weekend. Is that how taught me now? He's 10. So it starts to become a bit more serious in the next few years, doesn't it? Mm, he knocked 14 seconds off his 100-meter time the other day when we went to the pool. Pretty is massive. <laughs> I know. He went from 2 minutes 30 to 2 minutes – it was 2 minutes 30 something to 2 minutes 20. Does so he have a squad? Uh, not yet, no. Just a less than a week, and then I take him one or two times a week as well. And when does squads start to happen? Uh, Any time now. Yeah, he's moving up. Shit. Hey, Olympian in the family. I don't think so. Devin, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's happening in your world? John Bo, what's happening in my world? Um, garden, John. Got the garden done. I'll do my inspection next week. Yes, you'll be pretty happy with it. And I went to the dump. Do you know mm-hmm. what I love? Just, just, you know sometimes in life there's simple things that are really rewarding, like when you get new window wipers? 
you know? <laughs> and one of the things that's really rewarding in life, John, is backing a trailer up. If you that's get it right. Yeah. If you get it right. And going to the dump. It was Pressure. That, Yes, it was. It was. And also, the dump's not very well designed because what they have is they've got the Weybridge. So when you go in, there's a big, because obviously everyone was in the garden last weekend, first weekend of spring, and everyone's at the dump. So you go in, there's a big queue to get in. Then you go in. I had to do my greens first and Mm -hmm. then dump heaps of stuff we had sitting around. So I do my first, do my greens, and then I go to back up. But the queue to get out, we went right across where you had to back through. So I had to back back probably 150 meters. And do a bit of a swerve to miss the van, John. Well, do you know what I did, John? Nailed it. Nailed <laughs> not, it. not in the van. No, not the van. I was, I, I was slightly <laughs> concerned for a second, but I was really determined to get it right. So that was pretty good. And then throwing stuff in the dump is always quite fun as well. Yeah. You know, because of my old iMac. My old iMac, they still look pretty cool. It was a pretty tired computer. But I just I threw it as high as I could and it smashed to smithereens that hit the ground. It was quite a satisfying moment. So have you Re- done your spring gardening? Could, could have recycled that Mac. Yeah, I did think about that afterwards. <laughs> Lazy schmuck. Yeah. I, I'm not voting the Greens, obviously. Um, what, uh, anything else? The rugby was good. Did you watch the rugby? I did not watch the rugby, no. Oh. Uh, what did you watch the rugby? Uh, I had prior commitments. Oh, okay. You're going to watch the game this weekend, the Springboks? I may well watch this weekend. Yeah. And then the, the Garden, John. We, 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 we half-heartedly look at houses in our area, John. Mm-hmm. And um, if the right one came up, we would think about moving, but it would have to be very much perfect. But um, there's a house that came up for sale around our area recently, and we went and looked at it on a Sunday, and it was pretty cool, but there was a lot of garden. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> it ain't happening. I like, yeah. the, I like the end product when it's only two hours' work, but if it was more than two hours' work, it would do my head in. So. Okay, Bevan, we'll wrap it up. Rightio, let's do it. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha.